This episode of No Bad Food is brought to you in part by Whiskey Lane. Are you a producer of artisan food or drinks looking to get your name out there? Look no further. Whiskey Lane's team of social media, branding, and marketing experts is here to help. They'll take care of all that stuff for you so that you can focus on doing what you do best, making awesome products for your customers. Here at No Bad Food, we know that buying locally made products goes a long way toward making our world more sustainable, and that's why we're proud to be sponsored by Whiskey Lane. So, what are you waiting for? Grab your nearest artisan cheese or homebrewed IPA and run to whiskeylane.ca to find out more. And remember, that's whiskey the Canadian way. Without any. You understand. It just takes a little time. It takes a little time. It takes a little time with me. I hope you don't mind. We'll take it slow this time. Hi, I'm Tom Zalatni, and you're listening to the No Bad Food Podcast. If you're new here, welcome. This is a show about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. Our mandate is simple, to explore, taste, and learn about food in ways that celebrate all the things that make it great. Every week we dig into a different dish, meal, ingredient, cuisine, or piece of food media, exploring the history and culture around it, sharing favorite recipes, and learning from our wonderful guests. The only rule? You gotta love it. After all, there's no such thing as bad food. Today, we are talking all about the soup and sandwich combo. But before we dig in, I want to take a minute to acknowledge that the studio where I'm recording is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. So I want to encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and with the indigenous communities of that area. All right, my guest on this week's episode of the No Bad Food Podcast, here to talk to me about soup and sandwich combos, is uh, someone who I think is probably a professional, or at the very least an expert when it comes to eating a soup and a sandwich at the same time. Uh, my guest is a QA professional, a stand-up comedian, and of course, Canada's smartest person, the one, the only, Katie Warren. Hello, Tom. Thank you for this very kind introduction. <laughs> well, it of course. Feels- very encompassing of everything I've done in the past ten years. <laughs> got to get your uh, <laughs> got to get your bone a few days in there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's important that everyone remembers I was on a CBC reality show when I was still in university. I think that's <laughs> it's a good benchmark. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Well, you're also like a you were what a junior scripts spelling bee champion too, or something. That's true. I was the first ever spelling bee champion of Newfoundland, actually. Hey, so well, there you go. We didn't have a spelling bee until, you know, 2006. <laughs> well, fun fact about Newfoundland, no one there knew how to spell before 2005. Uh, I don't know. Tragically <laughs> close to true. <laughs> Uh-oh. Whoopsie. Uh, Katie, I always like to get my guests to tell us a little bit about themselves and about their relationship to food kind of writ large at the top of the show. So tell us a little bit about how you grew up, what kind of food you ate, how you eat now, if that's changed, and what your sort of relationship is with the things that go into your body. Great. Sure. Okay. So I grew up in St. John's, Newfoundland, uh, and I am very lucky, actually, to have a mom who used to do like a cooking column in a local weekly magazine called Herald. So something that my mom is very interested in and also very good at is making recipes from elsewhere in the world using Newfoundland ingredients. Oh, I love that. So she makes a really good 
like cod curry dish that has like paneer and stuff in it. It's really deadly. But uh, yeah, so I think that I was very lucky to be a child who was experiencing a lot of foods. So I, I, I'm blessed to not be very picky here in my adult life. I did, however, when I was about six or seven, find out that meat came from animals. And I got very upset by that concept and was a vegetarian for, I think, four years. Oh, wow. That's longer than most people last on that one. Yes. Well, I'm hippie parents, I tell you. They'll, they'll do pretty much anything for you. Um, well, these are the, I'm, when I was like five, I think I changed how my name is spelled. And my parents were just like, yeah, I guess it's spelled like that now. <laughs> they were really enablers of what, whatever whims I had. But um, Your parents taught but, you how to yes and more than any improv teacher. Yes, yeah. My, my, my parents are absolute champions of that one for sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it turns out that um, between the ages of like 7 and 11 is when your gut built a lot of really great enzymes for processing things later in life. Okay. Um, and as a result of that, I still cannot digest red meats at all. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so um, no longer a vegetarian. But um, my body said, uh, no beef, pork, or moose. Uh, sorry, buddy. Okay. So, uh, uh, yeah. So, I guess here in my adult life, I'm sort of, I, I love to eat food and have been recently trying to learn how to make food. I'm pretty prone to, um, I learned how to make spaghetti sauce mm -hmm. and, and for a long time was very prone to like making a spaghetti sauce and eating that for a week and then making another spaghetti sauce right so right. i'm i'm trying to branch out in, <laughs> in more recent years and learn more things i get that well and and soup feels like a natural kind of you know next step after sauce right yes well soup is my favorite food so um i think i think that it makes the most sense to learn how to make your favorite foods yeah right? like it's I don't, I don't want to be dependent on having to go somewhere to have a good bowl of soup. I would like instead to make the bowl of soup in my house. Right. Well, and especially like during a pandemic when, I mean, I know, you know, Newfoundland is, I think maybe might be the best place to live in Canada right now in terms of, you know, how they've managed COVID. But like, still, you don't necessarily want to be going out to places to get soup. And like delivery soup is not the same, you know? No, I've I've had soup delivered once or twice. And I was for the first half of the pandemic I was actually living in Kitchener, Ontario. Right. And there's a great oh, there's a great ramen place there called Crafty Ramen that will you can get their food delivered and they send it to you in separate containers. Mm. So it's like there's a thing of just the broth and then a thing of noodles and a thing of what what have you going into it. And that I think is the only good format for delivery soup is if it comes sort of componentized. Yeah, that's key. Whenever we get uh, takeout pho here, like anytime it's delivered, it, it comes that way where the broth is in a separate container and then everything else is, mm -hmm. you know, in the bowl already. Yeah, and that's nice too because then you're sort of like the master of your domain, right? Like you decide <laughs> how much peanuts belongs in that ramen or like how much cilantro or what have you, right? So it's a little bit... Uh, it feels like a little DIY project. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's empowering a little bit. Mm-hmm, for sure. So uh, on this like food journey that you've been on in your adult life, what, what's been kind of the biggest surprise for you in terms of like a thing that you didn't realize would like be as easy or as hard as it was to make? Yeah, I 
in the past few months, tried to make a risotto because I was feeling very fancy. Sure. And I was like, oh, this is not difficult. It's just time consuming. Because mm. when you're making a risotto, or at least the way I'm doing it, it's possible that I'm doing it wrong. All you, all you have to do is like <laughs> toast your big fancy rice a little bit and then just keep spooning broth onto it until it's cooked. Right. Um, which takes a long time like you have to you, it feels very much like slaving over a hot stove mm -hmm. um which is a saying that i like to be able to actually use but <laughs> um but it, it's nice because it's like it it looks and sounds very fancy but all you have to do is look at it and when it looks like it's soaked up the broth you just put more broth on it right yeah it's one of those things that like because of how hands-on it is and how long it takes you assume it's going to be difficult but like it's really just it's just about being there and it's a good like what do i have in my fridge right now type of meal mm. uh like like the way my mom would do pantry casserole sometimes <laughs> um which is just like what's in our pantry now it's a casserole sure yeah um I've been sort of doing fridge risotto where I'm like, okay, well, I've got like some little tomatoes and some asparagus and a thing of frozen shrimp. Could be risotto. That sounds great. Why not? Yeah, and it was. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I used to do that for soups. That used to be, my thing used to be like, whatever I've got in the house soup, where I would kind of, you know, find a base of like, you know, some sauteed onions and, and celery or whatever, kind of get the, the base of it going and then pour some stock into it. But everything else that would go into the soup was just whatever I had kicking around that week. And like, it wasn't always good, but it was always filling. And I think even like a, tell me what you think of this idea. Even a soup that doesn't taste that great can really be what you need to sort of feel comfy and at home. Mm. Oh yeah. Well, I'm I'm as much as I love a, a complex and well-made soup. I also am pretty brutal for those um, little like chicken noodle soup mix packets that you dump into a mug. Yes. Like that. I know that that's not good. Sure. I still eat one of those at least once a week. Right. You yeah. know. <laughs> that's my that's my go to when I'm sick. Is like you know you grow up and like mom's chicken noodle soup is the thing that you need in order to feel better when you're sick. But as an adult who doesn't speak to their mother, for me like <laughs> <laughs> the closest I can get to that, unless my partner feels like making chicken noodle soup, is like yeah, I just want something quick that I don't have to put too much work into. And like those, I, I don't know, is it like Lipton cup of soup? I feel like it's Lipton. Mm, yeah, I, I'm a bit of a, a thrifty gal, and I'm I'm prone to the no-name soup mix, Sure, but yeah. I think that Lipton does do the classic one. Yeah, that's it, where you just, like, put the little packet into your cup and pour boiling water on it, and, you know, it's the instant coffee of soup, but it's kind of great. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, so I'm a, as much as I love food that is, like, elaborate, I think it food is a functional object, right? Like, food is in essence utilitarian so if it does the job of a soup that's a soup whether you put a bunch <laughs> of work into it or whether it was moments ago a powder right yeah absolutely well that's it and like especially like let's be real the difference between putting a sachet of you know powdered chicken noodle soup mix into a mug and pouring boiling water on it and throwing some frozen chicken bones into a stock pot and pouring water on that and boiling it for like eight hours is really time like that's really the only actual difference between those two things 
they cost about the same and, amount too. And freezer space for bones. I'm not storing a bunch of bones around, right? right? Like it's I understand that it will make a better soup, but I I live alone, so it's very rare that I'm like, "Oh yes, I'll buy a whole animal, cook the whole animal, <laughs> then keep its skeleton." Like it's not it's not lifestyle appropriate for me sure. in this chapter. I will say a little hack for anyone who lives close enough to a butcher is that most butchers will have various bones available that you can just buy for like fairly cheap. Um, that you can take home and make stock out of. And so that's a way around it if you don't feel like eating a whole rotisserie chicken and then using its bones to make soup. You can just go to the butcher and spend like $3 on the bones of a whole chicken. So like I could, sorry, I'm trying to picture this social interaction right now. Yeah. And it's challenging. So sure. I'm I'm walking into a butcher and I'm saying, it, no meat, only bones. <laughs> yeah, totally. You walk up. So like, we can role play this even because I'm a butcher. So you walk into, you know, the butcher and come up to my counter and I say, bonjour, hi. Uh, I, I suppose I would also say bonjour, hi, because yeah. I've, I've landed in Montreal and I'm ready for bilingualism at its finest. That's it. That's the uh, other caveat is that if you live in St. John's, Newfoundland, you do have to come to Montreal to make this happen. But once you've done mm. it, you've got the bones. Uh, so it's worth the trip. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, um, perfect. And yeah, then, so yeah, I guess so. I, I'm just saying, like, bonjour, hi. I'm looking to make a, a a a chicken soup. Do you have any? Do you have a carcass that I could that I could pawn off you? That is exactly how you would ask it, and I would say. Yes, we do. Right over here in the freezer. Let me show you. And I walk you over to the freezer, open up the freezer, and hand you a three dollar container of frozen chicken bones. Do you need one, two, seven? Oh, I bet. I bet one. Alrighty. Anything else while you're here? Oh, do you have like a big Turk bar? Uh, at the cash. Yeah. Great, perfect. That's all. All right, take care. Goodbye. <laughs> and scene. There you go. But Hooray! yeah, that, that, that's it. It's really. It's not like. Uh, <laughs> it's truly not a bizarre request. Like we have, uh, like every butcher will have bones that they keep for soup. Um, and if they don't have any available in that moment, they'll probably be able to cut you something. Mm. See, I think as a person who cannot eat mammals mm -hmm. uh, the environment of a butcher shop is a little bit foreign to me and sure. a little bit intimidating <laughs> right because i think most most butchers are not focusing on white meats sure yeah um because i i presume they require less butchery it it really depends it really depends but you, you're not you're not wrong to say that like most of it is going to be red meat but like any butcher worth their salt is going to have like chicken pork i guess you don't really want to make a pork stock that's kind of weird but like you'll you'll be able to get chicken yeah right on yeah uh, also even just if you're if your local grocery store has a sort of like charcuterie slash butcher counter they might even be a person to ask honestly yeah well i live around the corner from a saint john's classic establishment called halliday's meats that i think has been there for like 70 years <laughs> so i i I bet if I go in there, the nice people at Halliday's Meats would would be able to hook me up. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I'll let you know how that goes. I'll I'll try it and see what happens. <laughs> Do it. There is something really satisfying about making a stock out of bones for the first time. I had a friend who um, was a vegetarian for years, actually, and just recently, you know, decided to start eating meat again. And they messaged me after deciding to make a stock for the first time, and they were like, "What is this horrifying?" gelatinous substance on the top of my stock 
did I ruin it? Did I make, did I do something wrong? Um, so that's a little word of advice to you if you do decide to do this. Um, you didn't do anything wrong. That's just the fat settling. It happens. Yeah, my my mom on Christmas this year, uh, since it was, of course, a very small Christmas for everybody, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it was just me, my mom, and my aunt, and my mom cooked a duck. So then on New Year's, uh, we were playing a, a tabletop role-playing game with my sibling, who is okay. in London. And so I was over at my mom's place, and she made duck ramen with, and made a broth out of the duck carcass. Oh, hell yeah. And it was one of the best things I have eaten in my adult life. It was so, so, so deadly. Something about spending New Year's eating duck ramen and playing tabletop RPGs is, is so wonderful. It felt like the most appropriate way to begin a year, for sure. <laughs> I love that. I was like, this is the like this is the energy I would like to manifest into the upcoming year. <laughs> I spent New Year's Eve watching Downton Abbey until midnight, and then I woke up with COVID. And I'm not saying well, that it was Downton Abbey's fault. <laughs> I'm not not saying that. That would be a wild and diagonal accusation (laughs) if you were like i think maggie smith gave me covid through the tv (laughs) well i mean you know they do have that whole story arc that takes place during the spanish flu maybe you don't have covid at all maybe it's the spanish flu (laughs) thank goodness i can get vaccinated for that much quicker (laughs) (laughs) you know that's just what our like normal ass flu shot is right it's it's the Spanish flu. What? Is, I, I'm learning so many things <laughs> on, on this podcast. For real. That's, you... So the Spanish flu was about 100 years ago, a pandemic not at all dissimilar to the one that we're currently living through. But eventually they did create a vaccine for it. And that vaccine became the flu shot that we just get theoretically annually. Science is so cool. And everyone should get all the vaccines that science is willing to give us. Strut strut into a pharmacy and ask your pharmacist to just fill you with needles. If you could just max me out, uh, pharmacist, (laughs) just... I I want to I never want to die. Give me it all. Put it all in my arm, please. At the same time, I one think, big noodle, one big needle. Oh God, that's a nightmare. Oh yeah. Um, and I th- I think that actually you're not allowed to get them all at once. I I a long time ago went to Costa Rica, and I feel like it was like a multi-week process of vaccines. Yeah, that sounds right. Like especially, yeah. you can't get more than one dose of the same vaccine. I know that much. I feel like then you just have that disease. Yeah, exactly. Which like is right, one like way to the... build an immunity to it, but not advisable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because like for for Costa Rica, it was like the different hepatitises, and I hadn't had my MMR vaccine when I was growing up, and also something called dengue fever. Like there was a whole list of things. Right. And thankfully, I I contracted none of them. So I I vaccines. I'm, I'm going to say some gold. I think vaccines work. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I will say, like, for anyone who's been hesitant about getting the COVID vaccine, uh, you should. And uh, having had both the vaccine and COVID now, uh, <laughs> I will tell you, the vaccine, the side effects are a lot nicer than the COVID symptoms. So, you know. There you go. Uh I'm real glad to report that my sense of smell and taste came back today after a few days of misery. Uh, and I don't wish that on anyone. So, you know, get vaxxed, folks. Mm-hmm. Okay, we are going to hop over to the mid-roll for a minute. And then when we get back, we're going to dive into soup and salad, the combo that started it all. Oh, soup and sandwich. Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> 
Take two. All right, we're going to hop over to the mid-roll for a minute, and then when we get back, we're going to talk all about soup and salad. God damn it, I did it again. (laughs) I'm leaving all that in. (laughs) Guys, it's mid-roll time. Hey, it's the mid-roll. If you're enjoying the show so far, make sure to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so you never miss a new episode. While you're at it, consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or sharing this episode with a friend. For every new rating and review we get during the month of January, we'll be donating $2 to The Depot, our local food bank here in NDG. They can turn every $1 into $3 worth of food for a family in need. So by doing the simple free act of leaving a rating and review of the show, you're functionally donating $6 worth of food to people who need it. Katie, is there any other way to turn zero into six? Uh, no, I went to school for math, and that's impossible. This is the only way. That's it. So if that kind of math is exciting for you, go do it. You can read all about what The Depot is doing at the link in the description of this episode. You know, now that this show's been heavily focused on food for a while and also is hosted by people who exclusively use they-them pronouns, I'm also going to ask that anyone who's left a review in the past maybe go and make sure that it is accurate, both in terms of content and in terms of uh, gendering of the hosts. Don't screw that up. Updated reviews will also count as new ones because, you know, it's more helpful to have accurate reviews than outdated ones that misgender the hosts. Please don't misgender the hosts. Lastly, if you (laughs) haven't had a chance yet to listen to last week's episode where I talked to Julian McKenzie about hot sauce, and we also talked a lot about bones in that episode too, actually. 2022 Show Us Your Bones is really shaping up to be true to its name. Uh, I would highly recommend going and queuing that episode up to listen to when you finish with this one. It's very fun. We really get into it. And I mean, Julian is just like a permanent lifetime fixture of this show. He's back every once in a while, and he's always lovely. And he's been here since day one. He was... I think our second guest, but he was on the week after our first guest. So he's kind of our first guest, you know, time is meaningless. Go listen to the episode. It was very fun. All right. That's enough mid-roll rambling for me. Let's get back to my conversation with Katie Warren. One more thing here in the mid-roll that I forgot to record earlier. If you haven't yet cast your votes and nominations for Munch Madness 2022, go do that now. You can hit the link in the description of this episode for all the information about that and for the Google form to fill out. There are two questions. One of them is a short answer question and the other makes you select uh, up to three options out of like 20. It takes like a minute to do it. You don't have to give any personal information. All it is is a nomination form. Please go do that so that we will have as much information to go with as possible going into this year's Munch Madness tournament. Thank you. Yeah, sometimes I don't really want to cook, uh, and I end up just, like, cutting up an apple and getting a bunch of crackers and doing, like, a half cup of peanut butter and some loose turkey, and I'm just like, this is a meal. Oh, yeah, I think I saw your your pseudo-charcuterie. That looked good, honestly. That works. We call that snack plate here, where it's, like, not quite fancy enough to be charcuterie, but it's the same, like energy Mm, and snack plate does still sound like something you would like order at a brew pub yeah so i'll I'll take it right (laughs) like that's fancy enough that's it it's like when you go on a plane and you're looking at the like orders that you can potentially get from the the flight attendants snack plate is definitely one of them and it doesn't come in a plate it comes in a box and every item is individually sealed inside of that box but that's what snack plate is you know and it's usually one of the only airplane foods i can eat Right. Usually the snack plate is just like cheese and crackers and nuts and stuff. Yeah. At worst, there'll be like a pepperoni stick. And like, mm. if you're lucky, that's and then pork. I, then I can make a friend. Right. Excuse me, person next to me. Pepperoni stick? Pals. Probably not now. Like, I can't oh, imagine no. now either being on a plane or offering somebody a pepperoni stick on that plane. Well, if it's wrapped, 
you know like you're not gonna unwrap the pepperoni stick and be like hey you want to touch this with your hands like i did but like if it's in plastic even even in the before that would have been unhinged (laughs) behavior hey i have some loose unpackaged meat would you like to share it with me now like that's a nightmare Ooh, that is a nightmare you know it's not a nightmare soup and sandwich the actual thing we're talking about not a dream not a nightmare not a nightmare like salad (laughs) (laughs) no i will i will go on the record and say that i love salad but soup and salad together is not really a combination that we talk about uh so we aren't talking about it we're talking about soup and sandwich the best combo yeah and like no no hate to soup and salad people but they are wrong soup and sandwiches is the better combo now i will say that one place where soup and salad together is delightful is when you go to a restaurant that has an unlimited soup and salad bar where you just like get up and serve yourself soup and salad that rules i'm into that imagine if places had an unlimited soup and sandwich bar that would be way better you're not wrong (laughs) you're not wrong it just simply doesn't exist yet and and I think the reason that it would be infinitely better is because at the end of the day, you can turn an infinite soup and sandwich bar into an infinite soup and salad bar by simply not taking bread when you take the sandwich portion of it, right? Because you're going to have lettuce there. Otherwise, yeah. what kind of sandwich bar is that? We love a versatile queen, right? Like we love a thing that can be a different thing. Yeah. So if I can have, yeah, like it. Really, what is a salad but sandwich ingredients in a bowl? But that's a whole different discussion. Look, you're not wrong. I don't like it, but you're not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) What are croutons but bad bread? Mm, And anytime I make croutons, it's because I have old bread. Exactly. (laughs) That's true. It's not bad bread. Sorry, that's that's very against the the principles behind this show. It is uh, Mm. stale bread. Um, Okay, so let's get into it. Let's talk about the soup and sandwich combo. Because when you and I were talking before recording about what you wanted to talk about, you know, you were telling me that you have a goal this year to make more friends and make more soups. But then you also mentioned that you want to talk about soup and sandwich specifically. So where did that love come from for you? I think very early in my wanting to make more food for myself, um, I was also an engineering student with no money. Sure. So a meal you can make that is filling can be different every night and like has representatives from all of the food groups is soup and sandwich. Okay. Right. Because like you can get a can of soup for like buck 50 if, if you're on the prowl and buying sale soups Mm -hmm. and then you can just kind of cycle through different combinations of soup and sandwich toppings um so yeah i think that's where i sort of discovered that soup and sandwich was my favorite meal yeah and since then you know i've just been flourishing and exploring different combos yeah i mean that makes sense right like i feel like soup and sandwich is a combo that resonates with a lot of people really that resonates with any culture that eats something like a sandwich because like Mm -hmm. i mean it is one cost effective yes but two like a soup on its own is not often filling enough. A sandwich on its own mm. takes too little time to eat, like it's too quick. So when you combine the two of them together, you get a meal that you have to sit down and eat so you can really like enjoy it and savor it, but it's also filling while still being cheap. And you get to dip something in something. Which is key, absolutely. I love to dip things, right? So 
dipping the bread into the soup, I think improves the bread and the soup, right? Like, I I know conceptually soggy bread kind of yucky, but like soggy with hot soup, it's perfect. Well, so here's the thing, right? I don't want to dip soft white bread into soup and eat it, Mm. but a crusty bread dipped into soup, I think gets it to a perfect texture where you still have the crunch, but it's actually a little easier to bite into. True, true. Yeah. Yeah. If the, if the bread started out sturdy, right? Like if, yeah. if you're starting with like something like a sourdough, I think that the soup is one, making it more delicious, but also like being helpful. Yeah, that's for it. Chewing. Like, and, and this isn't technically a sandwich, although I guess you could make it a sandwich, but like a good crusty piece of sourdough with butter. I mean, fold it in half if you want to call it a sandwich, whatever. But that dipped into any soup, I think, is is kind of golden. And, like, mm. I will I will say, like, Teffer reminded me of that right before recording. I was like, do you have anything that you want me to make sure that I say here since you aren't on this episode? Because, you know, part of us both having COVID is that we're home with Toby, so we can't record together for the foreseeable future because, you know, we rely on not having the children around. Uh, and Teffer was like, talk about, you know, bread and butter soup which like yes that is a hundred percent that's like a go-to in this house you know like a good Mm -hmm. crusty piece of sourdough it's perfect and you mentioned eating a lot of bagels Mm -hmm. part of living alone i've discovered is the back half of a loaf of bread going moldy almost every time sure um so i often will buy bagels instead of bread and then do like soup and bagel sandwich nice a bagel isn't a hefty enough bread that it sort of holds its own against soup broth yeah yeah that's perfect do you have like a favorite pairing in terms of like what you think is the ideal soup and the ideal sandwich paired together okay so i think ideal is um creamy tomato soup Mm -hmm. very simple but very good soup and then a grilled cheese but into our grilled cheese we're we're putting uh like an apple and some honey okay that's Katie's perfect day as far as a meal. Okay, yeah. I can dig it. It's like the classic like canned tomato soup with Kraft Singles grilled cheese sandwich, but like fancied up a little. Yes, yeah. It it feels like grown-up kid meal, which is maybe <laughs> why I like it so much. Yeah. I also have been known to do um a tomato soup and peanut butter sandwich, but I've been told that that is grody uh, and that I'm <laughs> wrong about that one. Look, so, look, what's the name of the show? No bad food. Exactly. No bad bones. That's it. No bad bones. Show us your soup. I think. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if you want to eat a tomato soup and a peanut butter sandwich at the same time, all the power to you. And I think that, in in defense of peanut butter sandwich with tomato soup. If I may, many cultures around the world have a spicy, like a peanut soup that is tomato based. I was I was actually going to say exactly that, that the aversion to peanut and tomato together is just a like Western world problem. Uh, yeah. And it's not even that much of a Western world problem because like early, early on in transatlantic slave trade things, hashtag here's Tom on that soapbox again, uh, like... There are African soups that have peanuts in them, and almost certainly a peanut and tomato soup would have been a thing that would have existed like hundreds of years ago 
because of the slave trade. So like off your bullshit, people who don't think that tomato and peanut can go together because they super duper can. Yeah, this sounds like I'm either ahead of my time or way behind my time. I'm not sure which. <laughs> I think I think you're just um, it comes back to like your mom making food from around the world, but with local ingredients. I think your palate is just international mm, or at least muddled. <laughs> sure. What about you? Do you have a do you have an ideal soup sandwich combo? Yeah, I had to think about this one because, like, I I'll admit I'm not someone who does the soup and sandwich combo nearly as often as like thinking about it in preparation for this episode. I was like, I fucking love a soup and sandwich combo. That's awesome. But then thinking about it, like when I last had one, I couldn't tell you um, unless we count again crusty bread with butter as an adequate substitute for the sandwich in which case like it's a thing I do constantly but uh, I did used to have so my old job that I worked for like 10 years that you know I think I worked the last four of them were during this podcast feeds history so people know uh, I had a desk job and for a while at that desk job it was a very small desk job um, we were using an office space at the back of my former boss's father-in-law's apartment. Uh, So, you know, he was on the other side of the door at his desk doing whatever he did, and I was in the office doing whatever I was doing. But every once in a while, he would knock on the door, bust the door open like like Kramer on Seinfeld, and go, Tomboy! And offer me some food. And, uh, you know, (laughs) God bless the guy. It was very often, you know, soup and sandwiches. He made a real good grilled cheese. Uh, He always had, like, the best pickles on hand. Um, And so for me, like, there is a real warmth and nostalgia to, like, tomato soup with, you you know, some kind of noodles in it. I feel like it was maybe, like, an alphabet soup kind of thing. Um, and, And, like, a, you know, real greasy grilled cheese. And that's, like, that's beautiful to me. Like, you can't top that, you know? Yeah, like sometimes the things that are simple and central are classics because they're very, very good. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Like the reason that the first soup you think of most of the time when you think of soup and sandwich is tomato soup with grilled cheese is because it's like kind of the king of that combo. Yeah. And I think that like there are other soups that on their own I like better than a tomato soup, but Tomato soup is so dip inable, right? Like I, mm-hmm. I want something like a a tomato soup or like a carrot and ginger, um, where it like somebody has blended it for me so right. that I can pick up the whole soup on the piece of bread. Yeah, that's key. I think I think you can't really do the soup and sandwich thing with a like watery soup, you know, because you've got the yeah, two like- the two styles of soup, which are the blended and the like watery with chunks. And I think also watery with chunks, um, that classic type of soup, uh, uh, usually one of the chunks is another starch. Right. Right? So it's like a chicken noodle or a veggie and rice. And I don't really want to pick up noodles or rice with bread. Right. Yeah. Uh, Or God forbid a giant hunk of potato. Yeah. Like that would be, I think it would feel a little bit like a elementary school sports day egg and spoon race situation (laughs) right like i don't want to be trying to balance things like i don't want to be doing lunchtime jenga i want to just like scoop it and eat it yeah i get that i absolutely get that yeah that's it like you want you want the soup to be i think you said it best when you said dippable dippable really is the key factor here for a good soup and sandwich combo Mm -hmm. do you think um okay i want to i want to kind of 
we've done a little bit of this, but I want to get into the sort of nitty gritty of the like definition of what counts as a soup and sandwich. It has been well established here on the show that cereal is a soup. That's a fact that we're we're just rolling with. Do you think that cereal and a Pop-Tart counts as soup and sandwich? So I think if we are operating on the base assumption that cereal is soup, which I'm a skeptic of, but I, I understand that that is your belief system. Pop-Tart? I don't know that I think Pop-Tart is sandwich. Sure. Just because I think of a sandwich as having been, like, you close it. Mm. Like, it's two things that close. Okay. Yeah, Pop-Tart is more of a ravioli. Right? Pop-Tart is a ravioli. Yeah. yeah which I, I don't think ravioli is a sandwich. No. Okay, so what about if you've got cereal and you have some, like, buttered toast on the side? If you were to dip your buttered toast into your cereal bowl like a monster, you're kind of having soup and sandwich, right? I, well, I think what you're having is a bad morning. Sure. <laughs> but, but mm, yeah, I, I think that on the premise that cereal is a soup, I think toast with butter or jam is a sandwich. Okay, all right, I can get behind this. Now, the little saltine crackers that you'll get a lot of the time at diners with a soup, do you think yeah. that those can count as a sandwich if you hold two of them together and dip them into your soup? Or are they a crumbling crouton? If you've put something in between them. Okay. I think if if I can spread some peanut butter on one of the crackers, mm-hmm. then that's a peanut butter sandwich and tomato soup, which we know I already love. Right. We have to be able to call the sandwich portion a sandwich in order for it to count. Yes. Yeah. I think that's where I'm at. Like it's a... And soup and premium plus crackers, a delicious food. A classic. But I think not a soup and sandwich, unless you've converted the crackers into a sandwich. Right. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. But it brings me back to the crusty bread with butter. Because I really do think that the crusty bread with butter can take the place of a sandwich in this combo without the combo losing its, like, losing the heart of itself. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I think a sandwich on which the only topping is butter is a bummer sandwich. But I don't I don't know that it is my place to say that it's not a sandwich at all. Because right. I certainly I knew picky children who sometimes would have a butter sandwich in their lunchbox going right. to school. Right? So I think I think that butter sandwich is it's not the sandwich for me, but that doesn't mean it's not a sandwich. Okay. Okay. Final hypothetical. You've got a Great. bowl, you've got a real thick bowl of chili. Okay. And a hot dog in a bun. If you dip your hot dog into the chili or even spoon the chili onto your hot dog on some Sonic the Hedgehog shit, is that a soup and sandwich? I'm going to say something unhinged. All right. I I think if you dip the hot dog in, it is a soup and sandwich. I think if you're spooning the chili onto the hot dog, that's an existing food, a chili dog. So not a soup and sandwich. Okay, yeah. So, so like this, the soup is now a sandwich topping, not a soup. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So (laughs) (laughs) good, good. This is important because we're getting to the nitty gritty of what a soup and sandwich is, which is important. The soup has to be, the soup has to be dippable. The sandwich has to be, I would say dippable also, right? Like the process of dipping the sandwich into the soup matters as much as the soup having the good consistency for the dipping matters. Mm-hmm. And the sandwich, ooh, okay. Can a lettuce wrap be used in substitution for bread for the soup and sandwich combo? 
Or are we just telling people who can't eat gluten to get out of here? They make bread without gluten. There we have it, folks. There we have it. Lettuce wraps are (laughs) bullshit. (laughs) I'm kind of with you on this one. I don't... I imagine that dipping a lettuce wrap into a soup would make both of those foods worse. Sure. Right? Like, it would wilt the lettuce, making it less nice to eat. And then you probably have whatever you had wrapped in lettuce now loose in your soup. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I I think that it's not a soup and sandwich because it doesn't feel very dippable. And also because I personally believe a lettuce wrap to be a nightmare. Yeah. But that's neither here nor there in this discussion, I guess. No, I get it. I understand gluten-free bread is not the same. I, I have eaten enough of it in my life to know that it's like, eh, at best. But for the purposes of a soup and sandwich combo... Get your lettuce wrap out of here. Get the gluten-free and bread. And I think, I think the soup will hide a lot of the problems with the gluten-free bread. The gluten-free bread that I have encountered, my main issue with it was textural. Mm-hmm. Like, it was dry. So I, I think that souping it up a little could make it a closer approximation to bread bread. Okay. Yeah. You know what? Maybe that's true. Maybe that is the solution to gluten-free bread, is to always serve it with soup on the side. <laughs> yeah, sorry, celiacs. You're going to have to eat a lot more soup, uh, it turns out, is actually... Why would you apologize for that? That sounds great. They might be busy. They might not have time to sit themselves down for a soup sandwich. That's true. And then, in that case, enjoy your sandwich on the go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Soup and sandwich on the go is a bad call, right? That's that's just not... That's something we can... We can take off the table. Yeah, I think it's a pretty stationary meal. Yeah. Yeah, I did once when I was a child. I had one of those. We were talking about the powdered soup that you pour mm-hmm. boiling water onto. Fully spilled one of those onto myself and had a huge burn on my leg. Oh, God. Um, when I was like eight years old. And um, my mom had to like put aloe on it from the kitchen plant and stuff. It was a whole thing. Still didn't turn me off soup, though. Uh, that's how much I like it. <laughs> I get that. I uh, Yeah, I've never had an injury make me not like a thing. Yeah, I got a, I got a black eye from sledding three different times as a child. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess I was pretty pretty stubborn on the, on the injury front. Yeah, that's it. Look, the only, the only kind of sports ball that has ever caused me a significant injury was a baseball that I took to the back when I was like 10 or 11. And the only sport I watch on TV is baseball. So maybe the trick is that you have to get hurt by something in order to truly love it. Mm, yeah, I, I, that sounds very like 2014 Tumblr philosophy as a concept. <laughs> it's like, you cannot know love without first knowing the pain of that love, right? Like, it feels very like, written in cursive on somebody's scribbler notebook not to come right back to Downton Abbey but the episode I watched last night said something to the effect of loving someone gives them the power to hurt you and uh that's how I feel about soup (laughs) (laughs) I love I'm gonna have to watch Downton Abbey it sounds like they got a lot of good soup stuff in it (laughs) you know what there's not a there's not no soup on Downton Abbey I'll say that much they do have soup there you go all right Downton Abbey They've got soup. Katie, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of No Bad Food, uh, for talking soup and sandwich with me, for talking a little bit about your story. Uh, Do you have anything you want to plug? Any places you want people to follow you? Projects you want people to check out? Now is your chance to do it. Sure, I've got two. So um, since moving back to Newfoundland, I have started a comedy collective focused on uh, platforming the voices of people who are not straight, white, abled men. Yay! Um, 
Yeah, that's called New Funny Crowd, and we're on Instagram and Facebook, uh, if you want to check us out there. And if uh, something that I'm doing this year is 2022 Make Friends and Soups, um, so I'm aiming to make 52 soups this year. If you would like to see me make the soups, you can see it on TikTok. Uh, it'll be Cold Warren, uh, like Cold War with an R-E-N on the end. When you're hearing this, I will have made one soup, hot and sour with tofu. Amazing. Cool. Well, Katie, thank you again. This was a lot of fun. Oh, thanks for having me. What a what a treat. I get to go places and talk about soup. That's all I want to do. <laughs> That's it. 2022. Show us your bones and tell us about soup. Yes. Show us your soups. <laughs> that brings us to the end of our show. Thank you so much for listening to No Bad Food. Do you want to join the conversation? Hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at No Bad Food Pod. You can hit me up at Tom Zalatni and you can hit Teffer up at Teffer Bear. If you like this episode and want to help make the show even better, you can head to patreon.com slash no bad food pod to donate. For as little as a dollar a month, you'd be joining the ranks of fine folks like Patrick, Gabriel, Kendall, and Carlea, Thomas, George Poppy, Killian, Sarah, Angelica, Anne, Andrew, Laura, Chantal, and David. Patrons get access to all kinds of awesome perks, including the ability to request topics for episodes of the show. So if that's exciting for you, you can head to patreon.com slash no bad food pod to make it happen. We also have merch, and you can hit the merch link in the description to get all sorts of great stuff from our lovely friends over at Public. And of course, you can support us for free by leaving a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice and by sharing this episode with a friend. Our theme music is by Zach Ingalls, and our cover art is by David Flam. You can find links for both of them in the description of this episode. Last but not least, this show is produced and edited by me, Tom Zalat, and I as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. See you next week. You are it just takes a little time it takes a little time it takes a little time with me i hope you don't mind we'll take it slow this time Dungeons, Dragons, Canada, The Multiverse Theory, Corgis, Queer Representation, Reconciliation, Angels, Demons, Squirrels, Moose, Moose and Squirrels, Sorcerers, Dinosaurs, Forests, Giants, Rogues, Warlocks, Plains, Sewers, Lavender, Natural Toonie, a Canadian Dungeons and Dragons podcast, right here on the Upford Network. Hi, I'm Howard Mitnick, host of Gateway Music. Join me as I talk with people about the artists and albums that changed their lives, and about the artists and albums that changed mine. Available on the Upford Network and wherever you get your podcasts.